we talk to uh, Troy Rank, our Denver 7 insider, presented by ROX Rocks Heating and Air, a little bit later in the week. But I, I, I had to get you on this morning, Troy, because you as a Baseball Hall of Fame voter, I, I just had to get your thoughts on Todd Helton coming so agonizingly close, just 11 votes from getting to that 75% threshold. It, was this something you anticipated happening to Todd coming this close but not getting in? Yeah, unfortunately, that's the way it was trending. When you look at when public ballots are revealed, typically the number underneath it is about 5% less. He was trending around 78 79% in the public ballots, and the private ones have not been his friend necessarily. So I had predicted he'd probably end up uh, 73%, somewhere in there. He came in at 72 uh, When I had texted with Todd last night, he was disappointed. It hurt. Uh, he was thankful for those who had voted for him. You know, and I told him that you do have to understand anyone that gets to this total not connected to, you know, some other scandal or removing themselves from the ballot type thing, uh, they always get in. And so I would expect, you know, we know Todd Helton is the greatest Rocky ever. This time next year, we're going to know him just as a Hall of Famer. And I do believe that will come this time next year. What what changes? How, how, why, why does it go that way? Why does it, you know, why does it get delayed and pushed back and pushed back? I mean, the numbers don't change. He's not playing another uh, another game. Like, why does that happen in this voting process? Yeah, I mean, until I went through it and became a voter, you know, years ago, I didn't totally understand it either, Mark. It's like, well, if he's a Hall of Famer, he's a Hall of Famer. A lot of it has to do with the ballot. You know, you can only vote for 10 people, and they're on the ballot for 10 years. They have to meet a certain threshold of 5% to stay on the ballot. But you see a ballot get cleared out. And you you last couple of years, a ballot has cleared out, so there's no obvious choices where, oh, at this class, there's five first ballot guys going in. There isn't that for him. So a lot of people... What I've seen change in the last few years, Mark, is that people want someone to go in. It's embarrassing when you have a Hall of Fame induction and nobody goes in. And Fred McGriff got voted in by the Veterans Committee. And so why does it change? Helton received more votes. He went, remember, his first year on the ballot in 2018, he was at 16.5%. And then he last year he jumped to 52 And then yesterday he jumped to 72 And again, it's part of the ballot clearing out. Some people doing a reexamination of his numbers. He did get help by Larry Walker getting in in 2020. That has eased some of the Coors Field bias. And, you know, again, nationally he has been hurt because he didn't play on the East Coast. The Rockies were only in the playoffs twice during his career. Coors Field's reputation obviously dings players. But that's how it changes, Mark. Ballots clear out. And next year the ballot's pretty clear outside of – You've got Adrian Beltry coming in. You've got Ichiro Suzuki coming in. But the ballot's going to remain open, so I would fully expect him to get in next year. Busy with Troy Rank, our buddy Drew Goodman said that uh, apparently 3.9, of the uh, just over 400 uh, ballots that were mailed out were return, weren't returned. So you're, you're telling me basically you know, 15, 16 people who had a Baseball Hall of Fame vote did not even return their ballot why are these people even allowed to have a vote? Yeah, that's embarrassing, and I'm not going to defend that. The rules are very clear. You go through a process. I'm an honorary voter now because I don't cover baseball daily. So even for me to keep my vote, I do cover enough of it through social media and write about the Rockies on Denver7.com, but I don't cover it like I did for 15 years straight as a beat reporter. Um, to not turn your ballot in, is it's inexcusable. Now, if you're making some kind of weird statement, 
I don't like that, but okay, I guess. But then turn back in an empty ballot. To me, when you don't turn something in, it suggests you forgot it. And we get like five emails from the Hall of Fame saying, reminder, you got to have a postmark by this day. You have to have a postmark by this day because I have to write it on the calendar. Because for me, it's right in the heart of football season, which generally speaking is the annual Broncos coaching search this time of year. So I have to put a reminder to myself to make sure I uh, send my ballot off. But it's inexcusable. Mike, it is, it's inexcusable. It's a privilege to be able to do this. I love it. It's an honor to not do it and turn back in a ballot, I think, is inexcusable. All right. Well, you mentioned it, you know, right in the heart of football season, and it's the uh, coaching search season here in Denver. And so, I mean, yesterday, what a what a like, what a roller coaster from David Shaw to D'Amico Ryan's to uh, yeah, Sean Payton's our guy. Sean Payton isn't our guy. Is there still hope for Jim Harbaugh? I mean, at this point, it's like I said, it's about like like trying to follow D Max quarterback theories. It's dizzying. <laughs> Um, so where are you, like, where are you on this search and, and what are you hearing? And even Mike Florio of pro football talk said that, uh, they should have somebody by the end of the week. I I think that was a report that was out there yesterday. Yeah, possibly today. So where are you? Like, what's the latest that you're hearing? Yeah, and there was even a mystery team floated yesterday for Sean Payton, the Scott Boris mystery team. No one has created a better market for himself, or at least tried to, than Sean Payton in this situation. Uh, the, the reason this search is more confusing than previous searches, and we seem like we're experts here in this, is that most of the information is coming from the other side. It's not coming from the Broncos. So it, that's, I'm not saying it's dangerous, but... There's reasons people leak stuff to help a client, to make it look like he's going to be on the verge of, to get leverage. And so there's a lot of weird dynamics at play this time of year where stuff gets pushed out there. And these jobs are hard. I'm not commenting on why people write what they do, but where do I stand? Again, I'm going to always believe that Peyton and Quinn are in the running until they're not. Peyton's thing is clearly cool. Something's going on there where – even if he wants them, they're seeming to be going about their own business to not schedule a second interview with him shows that it, there's a lack of urgency. I think you can read some into that. It doesn't mean he's out, but I do think you can read into that. And you've said it all along, Mark. Maybe it's just Fox and it ends up being he stays with Fox rather than and sit out one more year. Quinn is interviewing in Arizona today. The Broncos could have brought him in yesterday. They did not. So you, you look at that and go, hmm, okay. And I know they're huddling. They're being deliberate. They're being methodical with this. The David Shaw thing comes up because of his connection to Condoleezza Rice and the Penners. Penners both went to grad school at Stanford. Condoleezza Rice has known Shaw for basically two decades. And if she's a figurehead in that room, then Shaw's going to have a chance because she knows Shaw. And he is, in some ways, Jim Harbaugh light. If he, he ran Stanford the same way Harbaugh did. Frankly, he ran it better. He had at least seven bowl appearances, or eight, excuse me, and the Rose Bowls, but he did not do well these last four years. So where does it stand? (laughs) At some point, they're going to have second interviews, and we'll have a little clarity. And, again, I still believe it's going to come from that group of Peyton, Quinn, Shaw, and possibly D'Amico Ryans. I know he did impress them in his interview, but I cannot predict with any certainty right now. And like you said, it's just a zigzag slalom course trying to follow this the last two to three days there's just a lot of information out there and a lot of it's coming just from one side how did you interpret greg penner's comments at the beginning of this when he talked about what he wants in a new head coach if he were to hire a first-time head coach be it a D'Amico ryan's or a david shaw 
would 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 he have some explaining to do? Would he have would would he have gone back on what he initially said, or would there be a way for him to be able to spin it? Yeah, well, Ryan's would be difficult because he's a true first time head coach. He's only been a D coordinator, I believe, what two years. Yes, uh, he's only been a pro coach since seventeen. You would have to feel real comfortable with his staff, and that's some of the concerns I had. Is uh, and I heard that D'Amico Ryan's is a great interview. Not surprised from players I've talked to about him. I mean, he was a teammate of Kareem Jackson's in Houston, but. The reality is his staff would have to be much different than the one Hackett put together. Like, you would have to show you have veterans on your coaching staff. Um, in the case of Shaw, they wouldn't bill it as no coaching experience. It would basically said, we said coaching experience. We did not delineate NFL coaching experience. Right. And he coached for, you know, nearly a decade, or excuse me, you know, more than a decade in Stanford. So that would be their out there, that he is basically everything they saw in Jim Harbaugh you see in David Shaw. And I thought all along, you know, Jim Harbaugh was going to be the leading candidate, and he bailed. And you wonder if they'll make another call as long as this thing's drama's filling with Michigan. Do you circle back to Harbaugh? Mm. Because he checks all the boxes Pinner wanted. Accountability, discipline, offensive identity, physical team. He, He checks all those boxes. But how would they bill it? You know, it would be difficult with Ryan. You, Ryan's, you would have to say he completely sold us on his vision and his coaching staff that allowed us to not, you know, to not uh, not say overlook, but have less of a concern about his inexperience. Last one for me, Troy, because you you said at the beginning, hey, a lot of this information is coming from the other side. Well, here's another example of that. Brock Heward, who's on with us every week, he said, hey, from not from the Broncos side, but the other side, the Jim Harbaugh side, it is Heward's opinion that Harbaugh was the Broncos' number one choice at the beginning, and since that fell through, they've been back to the drawing board since then. Do you buy that? I do buy that. I had the sense from the beginning that's the guy they were targeting. The problem was the interview was quick. It was like a two-hour Zoom interview, and it was like, "Mm, well, if it's really that serious, why wouldn't they do it in person with Jim? And I've been told, well, they know him. Condoleezza Rice knows him. The Penners know him. The Penners helped get him to Stanford. So you do have to figure that in if they already had a pre-existing relationship. I do believe when you look at what Penner said that Harbaugh checked all the boxes. And so I'm not disputing what Hewitt, uh, what Brock said. It's just hard to – what does that mean? Is the favorite is going into the process or was it, oh, he's the guy we absolutely wanted and then that you know, leaves you like, okay, now we got to huddle because this guy's out. And that's that part I don't know. That, I just know that Harbaugh did check a lot of boxes, and that's why Shaw is in the mix very similarly. Knows the Penners, knows Condoleezza Rice, and when they were winning at Stanford, he basically did all the things that Jim Harbaugh does. Physical brutality, the party in the backfield, we're going to win the line of scrimmage, we're going to be disciplined, we're going to be smart. That is that is the same blueprint because you could see why they'd be attracted to uh, Shaw. It's just a tough sell when he was, you know, 14 games under 500 his last four years, and I get it, the transfer portal NIL, but the Broncos fan base doesn't exactly have a lot of patience right now and to hear and to reconciliations of why a guy's record was what it was. That's why Peyton was so appealing. But Peyton's thing is just weird right now. It's just weird because he has so much leverage and the draft pick compensation. I fully believe if there wasn't a draft pick attached to Peyton, he would be somewhere now, if not Denver, somewhere else. Yeah, which is which is crazy to me because everybody who's ever been traded for as a head coach, the the people who traded for him, 
they have won that side of the bargain. I mean, regardless of what they gave up, John Gruden won a Super Bowl, you know, Bill Belichick in, in New England, all those things have gone the way of the people who traded for the big-time coach. So that one seems a little bit ridiculous to me. Who's cooled on who? Real quick. Has Sean Payton cooled on the Denver Broncos, or have the Denver Broncos cooled on Sean Payton? I I don't think he's cooled on the Broncos, because why would he, Mark, unless he fully is saying, I'm going back to Fox. He would never want it out there. He's cooled on him because it would hurt his own market. And what are his, what are his other options? You know him better than I do. Carolina on paper would be his next best option, unless unless he's got an angle to the Cowboys' job. That's different. That, that would totally be different the, animal. Troy. That's the only one that makes sense to me. And I've said this. I've said it for now. What almost two weeks? It's either it's either the Denver Broncos as the head coach, or I'm going back to television based upon the teams that are available right now to be a head. He'll go back to television for another year and wait for the next cycle. Wait for the the Chargers coach to get fired. Wait for somebody to get fired, unless of course he's got an inside track to that Cowboys job. Right, and that's why I, say, I don't want to say the Broncos have cooled, but we also have to read into their actions. They haven't scheduled a second interview, and so until they do, we can't say they're clamoring for him because you would wanted him, you would have wanted him in the building before Arizona interviews him tomorrow. So cool. I don't know. It's just, there's not an urgency to get him in there. So you do have to read into that a little bit, but until he's out, he's not out for me because he's clearly the best guy on the market. It's just complicated by that draft pick compensation. And I'm with you, Mark. If you view him as the long-term answer, that first round pick in past years has been Bradley Roby, Paxton Lynch, Shane Ray, Sylvester Williams. Is that a guy that prevents you from, you know, trading for a coach? I would say no. Troy, great stuff. Thank you. Really appreciate it. Have a great day. See ya. All right. There he goes. Troy Rank, our Denver 7 insider presented by ROX Rocks Heating and Air.